Why is Christmas so exciting? Now, it's Christmas Eve. I remember the excitement of Christmas Eve. Twas the night before. I have a brother that's a couple years younger than me. And we used to love Christmas Eve. We'd always sleep in the same bed up until like the, summer, the, the Christmas before I got married, which I know it'd be a little bit awkward. But we're like, bro, we're doing it? Absolutely. And so, but one of my most like crystal clear memories of Christmas Eve was one year, I think it was 1988, doing some math and talking to my brother about the year. We were not at home. We were at someone else's house. And the big question was like, can Santa find us? Like if we're not at home? Like it turns out, he found us, and so, but we were out there, and I remember my mom being like, you always go to bed, but we have been heard, like, you stay up all night, like, eventually, maybe you can, you can see the presents show up, and, like, I wanted to see that, and so, me and my brother were in there, and I have this distinct memory of standing, I think we were standing at a, a window, or maybe we were standing on our bed looking out the window, I don't know, we both have the same memory, and we could swore we see something flying in the sky, we're like, there it is, I don't know if it's a satellite, or an airplane, or what, but we saw it, and we were like, yeah, there it is, and my mom was like, go to bed, so we went to bed, and we made a pact. It was like, here's the deal. We're both going to stay up. If I fall asleep, you wake me up. If you fall asleep, I'll wake you up. We're like, deal. Didn't work. Like we, we were out cold. Next morning, we wake up. Presents are there. I don't know what happened. I don't know how it went down, but all I know is uh, that was just a, a memory for me. There's so much excitement, anticipation, and joy and gladness going into Christmas morning. And I need mostly the kids or the kids at heart to answer me this question. Why are we so excited about Christmas morning? Somebody tell me. Presents. The answer is presents. The answer is presents. Don't try to be over-spiritual here. You are excited because of presents, okay? And it's okay. God loves to give us good gifts, and that's good. And so there's a lot can be said about, like, materialism and all that stuff. But, man, parents, don't we love to give our, our, our kids gifts? Don't we love giving other people gifts? We love the presents. Here's the thing. God is a God who also loves to give us gifts. He gives us presents. We talked about these things, love, grace, and hope. These are gifts that he gives us. And today we talk about the present that Christians celebrate on Christmas, which is the gift of God himself, God with us, Emmanuel, that he came to earth in human skin and he put that skin on to be with us. And it's something that the world anticipated for many, many, many years, not just on December 24th, which, by the way, is not the actual day before Jesus was born. It's just the day we pick to celebrate. But hundreds of years, as, as many as 600 years before Jesus was born, there were prophets writing things down. For example, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2 through 3, it says this, The people were walking in darkness, but they've seen a great light on those living in the land deep in darkness. A light has dawned, and they're forecasting something that's happening in the future. Skip down to verse 6, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is one of the nuggets of evidence we get expecting Jesus hundreds of years before he even came. In Jesus, the longing of the world will be fulfilled and darkness will be extinguished by light. Jesus is the gift. In the book of John, 1 John, 1 John chapter 4, Savannah already read some of it this morning. We're going to look at two verses and just break them down a little bit. 1 John 4 verse 9 says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. When it comes to gifts, we tend to measure them a couple different ways. And there's three that I think of, and maybe this is something you can use to measure your gifts in the next couple of days, and I hope you get some. Uh, the first way we tend to measure gifts is by the motive. 
I have an envelope in my room, a big manila envelope that is packed full with just like scraps of paper, coloring sheets, and notes, and all these things that my kids gave me as they were really little. And you know, you got kids, like you can only collect so much of that stuff on like the wall. They're just like, every day, like I drew on a napkin, you know, and you take it, and it's, and I have, I have memories like, this is a, this is, this is a, a picture, dad. I'm like, sweet. Oh, you drew a goat, and he's wearing a fireman's hat. And they're like, no, daddy, that's a picture of you. And you're like... I must have had it upside down. And so I've got all these envelopes, this one envelope, and it's just packed full. I like to pull it out every now and then and look at it, and my kids like to look at it. These aren't like masterful pieces of art. I mean, they are to me, but they're probably not going to end up in a museum somewhere. But they, the motive behind the gift, we say it's the thought that counts, right? Listen to, to God's motive. We read it a second ago. It says, this is how God showed his love among us. How, what is his motive? He sent his one and only son into the world. That we might live. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. Maybe you know Max Licato, famous author. He says this, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If he had a wallet, your photo would be in it. He sends you flowers every spring and he gives you a sunrise every morning. And whenever you want to talk to him, he's there to listen. He can live anywhere in the universe, but he chooses to be with your heart. And the Christmas gift he sent you in Bethlehem, face it, friend, he's crazy about you. God's motive for doing this whole thing we celebrate at Christmas was love. He doesn't want something from you. He's not sitting up in a cloud trying to throw lightning bolts at you. He just loves you. He gives it to you. Now, we need to respond, but the gift comes with no strings attached. Another way that we tend to measure our gifts is the cost. And I'm not talking about the price tag. I think we like expensive things. But I'm talking about like what it costs someone else. I have one of my most precious gifts is a guitar that my wife gave me. Some of you might not know, my, my wife and I started dating in high school. And so her senior year in high school, I was a freshman in college at the time. And um, I did not know, but on Christmas Eve, she met me to give me a gift. And uh, it was a brand new guitar. And if you know me, you know I love guitars. I got like, I think like nine or ten guitars. I love guitars. I play. Now, this guitar is precious to me. Not because it's the nicest guitar I have. It's not. It's not the most expensive guitar I have. On price tag, it's probably, I don't know, four or five hundred bucks when it was new. But it's beautiful to me because I know that as a senior in high school, my, work, my wife worked every day in an after-school care. And she saved her money for an entire semester to get me that guitar. And she gave it to me. Also, that night I asked her to marry me, so I think I might have won that one. <laughs> but what was the cost of that gift for her? It was love. The motive, the cost. What's God's cost of this gift? We read it. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son. It cost him everything. In case you missed the language, you don't understand the background. This is God saying, I'm giving myself. God didn't ha have a son. That word begotten son means like from. Jesus is from God. He is God in the flesh. There's so much theology in this thing, but I can look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 through 8. It says this, talking about Jesus. Jesus was in very nature God, but he didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Some versions say something that he should hold on to. He didn't think he should just grip onto that godly divinity. No, rather, he made himself nothing. Some translations say he emptied himself. 
And he took the very nature of a servant and became in human likeness. And he was found in appearance as a man. And then he humbled himself by being obedient to death. Even death on a cross. What cost? The motive was there. The cost was immense. The third way we typically measure gifts is their usefulness. Everybody, anybody ever get a gift you just didn't need? Thank you. How do you even react? Like, I'll just, man, I do, I flip it over and keep looking at it because I don't want this. <laughs> I don't need this. And what do you do with it? If you're smart, you put it in a gift bag and 12 months later, you give it to someone else. You re-gift it. I learned that from Jerry Seinfeld. It's a very good trick. But man, the useful, what's the most useful gift in the world? Socks and underwear. You guys seen the, the meme floating around this week, maybe. I don't know how old it is, but I just saw it for the first time like this year. And it's like this picture of a foot, and like there's like holes all in this dude's sock. You can like see his toes and his heel is ripping through. And like the, the caption says, hang in there, boys. It's almost Christmas. <laughs> I pray God gets you socks and underwear tomorrow. That's my prayer for you. Right? Why? How often do you use those? Every day. <laughs> Every day. You need these practical, practical things. We give gifts at our family, and we love doing it, but the thing that I love giving my wife the most is, like, the lotion and face cleaner stuff that she likes. And you know, I know a trick. There's this thing I figured out years ago. I will let her buy it, bring it to the house. I will give it to my daughter, who will wrap it, and then my wife is so thrilled when she gets it on Christmas, Eve, Christmas morning because she uses it. We measure gifts by their usefulness. How useful is the gift of God? Oh, I didn't allot enough time to talk about that. But let me just show you our verse again. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live. The spiritual life, the resurrection life that Jesus promises through his very presence is something we cannot measure. We cannot pay back. We talked about grace a second ago. We cannot estimate the value of the life that Jesus gives by coming into this world. In the book of John, chapter 10, he talks about how he's the good shepherd and we are the sheep and there's a thief that's breaking in to kill and steal and destroy. But he said, I came that you may have life, abundant life, full life, satisfying life. How useful is that? Or in 2 Corinthians five seventeen, where it says, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. Anybody need a fresh start? Thank goodness New Year's is right after Christmas. Make a resolution. Jesus brings us that in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. He says, listen, here's what I can do. I can transform you by the renewal of your mind. And as your mind gets renewed, guess what? You get to know my heart, and you will know and be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's the gift. Is that useful? Galatians chapter 5, 22 through 23, talks about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Listen, when we have the Spirit of God in our life, it makes us better people. People like you more. You're less of a jerk. You're a better business operator. You're a better mom, dad, husband, wife. Why? Because the Holy Spirit transforms you. Is that useful? Oh, man. I love what Cal said earlier. I'm so thankful for the grace of God. The motive is there. The cost was immense. But such a useful gift. Maybe you need that gift today. Maybe what you need is that fresh start, that renewal, that transformation. Maybe it's something you started when you were nine years old, 
And here you are, 40, 50, 60 years old, and you're like, dang, I kind of lost sight of that. Maybe for you, you've never done it. You just came on Christmas Eve because you saw a sign out in the street, and there's this new church in the neighborhood, and you're like, I don't know. My grandma used to take me to church. Can I tell you something? The usefulness of the gift of God is not that it's a religion to put on your resume. It's not that it is something that you can set on the shelf and, and worship every now and then. I've got this big old Bible, man. I never read it, but, man, my whole family's owned it at some point. No, the usefulness of the gift of God is that it is in you and through you. And God wants to change the world, and he wants to partner with you to do it. And so maybe today what you need is that, that change, that transformation, the forgiveness of your sins, the promise of new life. And that's not just a gift you get at Christmas. God's word teaches us that his mercies are new when every morning. And I've learned it's not just every morning. Like sometimes it's in the afternoon, sometimes it's lunchtime, 3 o'clock, 11.30 at night, 2 a.m. His mercies come to visit you when, they need, when you need them. That's the gift of God. Towards the night before Christmas. I'm so thankful for the love, the grace, and the hope that Jesus brings into the world. Can I invite you to pray with me this morning?